Welcome to the Housing Matters Podcast, brought to you by the California Association of Realtors and the Center for California Real Estate. Hello, and thank you for joining us for another Housing Matters podcast. Your favorite data nerds are back with episode 103, everything you need to know about the housing market and the economy on deck. And we have a lot of news to talk about, but first, the introductions. My name is Jordan Levine. I'm Vice President, Chief Economist here at the California Association of Realtors, and I'm joined by my partner in crime, Oscar Way, our amazing Deputy Chief Economist. Hey, Oscar. Hey, Jordan. Thank you for the introductions. And... Uh... Yes, we are. We have a lot of things to share. We just released our latest press release, but uh, there are a lot more things to cover, um, including some of the HAI stuff, including, you know, of course, mortgage rate. We yeah. had some movement in the last uh, couple of days or maybe 10 days or so. And that's partly because of, you know, some of the inflation numbers that were released, some of the economic reports uh, that were released. You know, on one end, of course, uh, as an economist, we think, you know, some of those economic reports actually are, you know, pretty good numbers, but, you know, it's a little different these days, you know, when you look at good news, they may not necessarily react the same in a market, but we'll go more into it uh, very shortly. Absolutely. We're in this bizarre paradoxical time where good news is actually bad news, at least from (laughs) the standpoint of uh, inflation and what the Fed's expected to do. So we'll definitely throw in some of that good macro stuff, just to give you a 30,000 foot view of of what's going on out there right now and maybe what Mm -hmm. we can expect coming down the pipe. But let's talk about the market, because I think that's a a kind of optimistic place to start when you, you know, get bogged down in the newspaper headlines, you feel like we're kind of on the brink. But um, if you actually look at the data, not just for January, which we put out this morning on the day that we are are recording this podcast, the the home sales data and actually almost all of the market data um, has some kind of silver linings under there. What's what's going on with the market last month? I like I like what, how you said it, you know, silver lining. Yes, we do have some silver lining for each and every single item. But, you know, let's get, you know, right to the bottom first. You know, we are still struggling, you know, as far as, you know, the market is concerned. Yeah. Um, uh, this is the very first month of the year, uh, the report. And we are still showing, you know, sales below 250. Uh, the silver lining, one of the silver lining for sales is, even though it's uh, below some 250, which is, you know, definitely below, you know, what uh, we have seen. And and historically, I remember a couple of years ago, we actually hit 500. Um, So definitely below that level quite significantly. And because of rates and mortgage rates and all the the other reasons that we'll talk about. But 250, when I say, you know, it's below 250, this is actually the third month that we're below 250. Right. Uh, But it's, and it's not actually the lowest. Actually, it was two months ago that we had the lowest level. And we've mentioned in the previous uh, podcast before, we will continue to inch up. And that's exactly what happens. We actually inched up in December and we actually moved up again in January. Right. Yeah. And I think, you know, again, that's why I didn't say good news, but I said silver linings (laughs) because, you know, we're, we're still at a fairly depressed level. But but I think, you know, this is just another report that kind of provides evidence that we're either at or or you know, near or or potentially even past the bottom when it comes to transactions. If you look at the chart, which you can download all the data uh, and pictures off of our, our website, you kind of have to squint at it 
to see the increase because we're, we're not talking about big gains. It was up less than 1% on a month-to-month basis. But I do think it's significant that uh, both in December and in January now, we've had sales that continue to uh, go up. And, and again, we're still about 45, 46% below where we were at the end of 2020 you know, one or at the beginning of 2022. Um, but, you know, again, I think it's it's a testament to the fact that, you know, buyer demand still is out there. That renewed passion that was kind of stoked for home ownership during the pandemic, I think is still um, very much alive and well. And, and, you know, as we got a bit of a reprieve on interest rates recently, that probably helped to bring some of those buyers that were sidelined through purchasing power and things like that um, back into into the market. So, I mean, we've been on a pretty consistent string of declines. I think we've been dropping by, you know, more than 10% for the last nine months in Mm -hmm. a row. But I think, you know, again, having, having that decline at first, you know, start to really lose momentum last winter and now actually um, show a couple of months of gains is encouraging. I don't think we're going to come rocketing back to 450. And actually I still feel um, pretty confident with that low 300,000 kind of forecast that we put out uh, a few months ago, but but I do think that that this is an important sign that we're just not going to see the bottom fall out of the market, and I continue to to kind of um, feel encouraged that that's the case as we as we see more data roll in. Yeah, I mean, I think it's encouraging. Of course, uh, we would like to see numbers moving move a little faster. And when you said earlier about interest rates, uh, some of the interest rates effects may not have materialized yet, because but we are actually seeing that we have been seeing that in the pending sales number in the right. last you know few weeks or last couple of weeks or so, and 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 that those pending sales will probably show up as closed sales you know next month you know, when we report February's number. And it does show that, you know, as far as pending sales, they're they're still they're still they were still declining, you know, in uh, in February in January, but the uh, the rate of decline actually is smaller. Uh, in fact, you know, it declined by about thirty five percent from a year ago, which actually is an improvement compared to forty forty five percent that we saw right. a couple months ago. So that's a good sign. Absolutely. Um, and I think it's important to keep in mind as we interpret these year to year growth rates, we're comparing now to, you know, almost the kind of peak of transactions that end of 2021, beginning of 2022 was really when transactions were, um, you know, through through the roof, as it were, and we were still sitting at essentially 3% uh, or even slightly lower than that mortgage rates. And when you look at the pendings on a on a kind of month to month basis, and we don't um, always seasonally adjust pending sales the way that we do with our our closed transaction number. Mm-hmm. But if you look at the um, you know ramp up that's happening again, the level of pending is still pretty low, but the growth from December to January is actually higher than is typical at the start of the year. So even though we're starting from a very depressed level, it does seem like the housing market's kicking off uh, a little earlier and ramping up a little bit quicker than we typically see. Of course, you know, the the declines are still broad-based. As you said, we're still down about 35% pending compared to those, um, you know, record high levels, essentially, that we set a year ago. But, you know, and they're broad-based actually across the state because this is, again, still mostly macro-driven. So whether you're, you know, in Southern California or the Bay Area or whatever, you're seeing similar um, results, you know, within a, a margin 
of, of error, but it does suggest that, you know, again, that 240, the 220 or whatever that we hit at the very um, bottom is is probably as low as, as we'll see things go and we don't expect it to continue to deteriorate. Uh, materially from where it's been. And as you said, the the declines, and we're still falling from those super high levels from a year ago, um, but the pace of decline has continued to slow. Yeah. And just to uh, sort of um, reiterate what you said, you know, it's pretty much across the board, uh, but we do, we, we have been uh, seeing, you know, slight differences between different regions. I think, you know, for Bay Area, for example, things are still dropping because of what those, because of, you know, those uh, tech companies layoffs and things like right. that. And of course, because of the stock market, but I think it's getting a, it seems to be improving a little bit better as far as sales are concerned in the Bay Area. Yeah. And we're, we started seeing uh, in the more affordable areas like Inland Valley, Riverside, San Bernardino, dipping a little bit uh, more in the last couple of months. Um, so, you know, we just have to, you know, pay attention to some of those uh, different pockets, different areas. Uh, but all in all, I think, you know, we are seeing some improvement uh, moving in the right direction. It's just uh, moving very slowly right now. Yeah, agreed. What about prices? Because prices is kind of the thing that the newspaper headlines always key in on. And we have had a couple of months in a row of price declines through the end of the year. What happened in January? Well, first, um, that and you're right, you know, uh, fo- uh, reporters focus on prices. Of course, that's because buyers, sellers, consumers, they focus on prices. But let's let's uh, be very clear. Usually at the very beginning of the year, we see some sl- uh, some low uh, some low prices. Right. You know, that's just seasonality. And, um, you know, when you look at the statewide number, our number continued to dip on a month to month basis. And we have been seeing uh, that actually for the last a uh, couple months, last three months or so. And on a year over year basis, we actually have been dropping uh, moderately by about one or 2%. In fact, you know, in um, in um, uh, the first month of the year, we actually dropped 1.9% on a year over year basis. And that's actually the third month that we actually experience a year over year decline. Right. And and that is significant. And it's not to bash the newspapers, right? Because this is the first time we've seen prices decline on a year to year basis in over a decade. Um, so it's not to kind of minimize the fact that the market has shifted. But I, I did think it was significant that the price decline was a little bit smaller in January than the one that we saw in December. You mentioned that right. we're in a, a normal kind of seasonal lull before the housing market really kicks off in in earnest, but 1.9% is, is you know, almost half of the decline that we saw in December when it was about 2.8%. And so again, this just kind of supports the idea that yes, the market has shifted, buyer demand certainly taken a step back, but, you know, the bottom doesn't seem to be falling out when it comes to prices. And again, when you think about the amount of folks with home equity and super low mortgage rates uh, and all of that stuff, I think, you know, it, it becomes more dubious that we're going to see those kind of precipitous declines in home prices. Um, and and actually, when you kind of dig into our weekly and daily data, I mean, the percentage of, of actives that are being reduced, the um, size of those price reductions are both shrinking. And and so, you know, again, it there's just nothing out there to suggest that there's a major um, sell-off. And, and, you know, I think that it's important to note that at least half of what we've seen in terms of um, the price declines up to this point are 
partly seasonal. I went through and looked at the last 40 years of data. And I think, you know, between the spring home buying season and the kind of uh, winter lull months that California prices decline on average by 6%. You're hard pressed to find a year where prices don't go down by 6% between the spring uh, and the winter. And so, yes, the market has shifted, but again, um, it's not as it's not as severe as as kind of what those headline numbers would have you believe. Yeah, I think, you know, that's the silver lining that you alluded to uh, earlier, you know, in terms of price. I think uh, if you look at how it compares to last month, obviously, or December, it's definitely a little bit better. I expected the number to be uh, higher, partly because of the fluctuation in rates and all the other stuff. Right. But at the same time, um, the and you you mentioned uh, and which is correct, very correct, you know about seasonality as well. Typically, we have lower prices you know, at the beginning of the year, and I will have to say, you know, of course, we we don't we don't have February's number yet. Seasonality extends to you know February and March, so it is very true that we probably will see a smaller price, a lower price in the upcoming months in November uh, and in February, uh, maybe dip another one or two percent in the next couple months or so. Um, so very possible that we may actually hit right now, you know, the median price at the state level is 751, 750 or so. There's a possibility that we may actually dip below uh, 730-ish uh, or so before bouncing back. So don't be surprised when you start seeing you know, prices actually declining. Obviously, reports, uh, reporters and media Probably will focus on those and say, "Hey, um, you know, prices continue to drop," yeah. and and a lot of time I, I I I throw it out there, you know, to to our audience uh, and to when we go out to outreach, um, I usually tell people, you know, look at exactly what they're trying to say for those reporters or um, economists. They will say from peak to trough, right? And peak to trough is very different from year over year because right now. The peak was in uh, uh, last uh, last May was our peak. Over you know, we hit nine hundred thousand, right? And currently we're at around seven hundred and fifty or so. So, which means, yeah, from uh, from that standpoint, peak to trough, or from the peak to where we're at now, we're probably about you know sixteen percent down. Um, and if you focus on that number, obviously that looks big. But you know, also look at the year-over-year percent change. That's what uh, we typically want to look at because we want to uh, rule out the seasonality part of it. Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. But it wasn't just the seasonality. There's also another kind of nuanced component to the slowing prices right. as well. And and actually, I just got back last night from an outreach in Santa Barbara where I was at the uh -huh. association, and um, you know, they're a perfect exemplar of this. But, you know, <laughs> When you look at places like Montecito, where all the celebrities live and things like that, you know, I think the last two years, if you, you know, look at them cumulatively, sales were up there, I think, like, you know, almost 300%. And that has a big impact on prices when we were on the way up during those two years, because you had a lot of, you know, very high price transactions dragging that median price up and kind of um, exaggerating the amount of upward pressure that we were seeing on home prices just by virtue of that. Now, um, you know, that the top end of the market's not really falling apart. Actually, it declined less than most other segments, um, but it's not having that explosive growth. And so we don't have that kind of extra boost going into to home prices. Talk about the mix of sales, because we are starting to see the kind of lower price segments, uh, you know, outperforming a little bit. You're talking, talking about timely, you know, uh, outreaches. <laughs> Santa Barbara is one of the exactly. <laughs> Santa Barbara is one of the 
County with, you know, fluctuating mix of sales, you know, not just, you know, throughout the last couple of years, because mix of sales have been in, uh, yeah. a topic that we talk about, but Santa Barbara is something that actually fluctuates on an, an annual basis sometimes because of, you know, the season. But you're right. You know, I think we had a lot of million dollar home sales uh, and uh, say 2020, 2021, it ramped up all the way to 35 million dollar homes, making up about 35 percent of the market. Now, wow. pre-pandemic, it was uh, around 20 percent. So it took a lot, a little bit of time, uh, uh, two years of time to actually ramp up to about 35. But lately, you know, in the last, I think, six to nine months or so, since it peaked maybe in about May or June of last year, the million dollar home sales started coming back down. And recently, I believe, you know, the latest number that we have for the uh, million dollar home, uh, it, it started making up only about 24, 25% now. So a significant drop from 35 to 25. So that mix of sales definitely is making a difference in terms of price depreciation. Um, I think I might have mentioned in the past, we've talked about this before, that when we look at mix of sales, uh, when we look at the price decline, a lot of time it could possibly be because of you know mix of sales making up half of the decline. Right. And so if you look at the 1.9% that we're looking at, the decline of year over year 1.9%, that's possible that you know maybe about 0.8% of those uh, could be attributed to the mix of sales. Yeah, definitely. And I think when you look at prices on a per square foot basis, it kind of backs that up, right? Because we're seeing that the decline per square foot is about half mm -hmm. of what we're running uh, in terms exactly. of overall headline median price. Let's talk a little bit about, you know, the main reason why I, I feel confident that we're not going to see, um, you know, the kind of 30 and 40% price declines that, that you hear about in the newspaper, right? I think Goldman Sachs put out a report and said, you know, there were some markets that were poised for a 30 or 40% price decline and a handful of them were in California, I think San Diego and, and San Jose. But, you know, I think when you look at it through the lens of housing supply and inventory, it's just hard to see that really being um, in in the cards because again, you know, and, and you can run, run us through the numbers if you would, but I just think, you know, thinking about it from a kind of nuts and bolts common sense standpoint, you have so many homeowners out there sitting on the lowest mortgage rates uh, of all time. When you look at the Freddie Mac data, you know, almost everybody's in a rate below 5%, even like 85% or below 4%. And that creates a pretty strong lock-in effect. And, and even as our kind of headline unsold inventory is, is up kind of substantially on a percentage basis from where we were last year, inventory is still um, very tight. Yeah, I mean, we, when you just look at, you know, the headline numbers that we put out, the unsold inventory index, as you said, you know, we are up 80% at some point. I think this this month it was up 65%-ish or so and uh, uh, as far as active listings. But unsold inventory index, you know, it's a ratio between uh, supply and demand, basically. Right. And when you have demand coming down, you know, by what, 40%, 45%, you know, it shouldn't be surprised that at the same time, you know, uh, even if supply uh, did not improve, just because of the fact that we have a lower demand and some of those actually being carried over to from one month to the other, we actually saw a pretty significant increase in unsold inventory index. So right. that's not a surprise. Yeah. Now, when we look at the active listings itself, it increased by, you know, 60 some percent, as I mentioned. Um, but uh, is that real, you know, uh, inventory increase? I mean, inventory increase, I should say, you know, in terminology, of course, uh, can uh, can be uh, interchangeable. But right. if you look at new listings, 
uh, listings being added to the market, it's clear to us that you know things actually are very, very tight. Um, we actually had a decline on a year-over-year -year basis by about 16% on new listings, uh, let alone you know seeing uh, you know the type of uh, uh, increase that we saw 15 years ago. Uh, yeah. 15 years ago, you know, we had what I think you mentioned in the last podcast. It all went all the way up to 18 months. 18 right? months, yeah, incredible. We're not seeing that. We're not seeing that right now. Yeah, and this is kind of a effect of the law of low numbers, right? Because when you you know, if, if you look at the unsold inventory index, we're you know still I think below three months of supply or right around there, which is still a very very low number even. Um, by the standards of the previous couple of years before the pandemic, you know, um, three three months is is fairly um, low, and and mm -hmm. the new listings is going to be the thing that tells, especially as sales have started to pick back up. Again, we're still down a lot on a year to year basis, um, but they're starting to ramp up for the spring already, and with nothing uh, essentially showing up on on the MLS that that uh, active listing number is gonna start to reverse course. And I think with folks still kind of hungry for housing with the reprieve that we had on rates the last couple of months, and I know we'll talk about how they've started to shoot back up again, but we put a lot of people into escrow over the last 45 days. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that's just gonna pull even more listings down once those ultimately um, close. And so, yes, the market is in a shift. Yes, I still feel confident, um, especially as you noted, when we get into the spring and summer months where those prices last year were super high, we're going to see those more exaggerated um, price declines on a percentage basis. So I'm sticking to my guns um, or at least somewhere in that neighborhood when it comes to our, our price forecast for this year being down uh, in the kind of single digit range. But again, I just don't see the conditions needed to drive much more um, substantial price declines than than what we're seeing. So I think that is um, the good news. The bad news is that means that I think, you know, housing affordability <laughs> is going to remain a kind of ongoing um, challenge. And, and we saw that in our fourth quarter data, which we just released. And even with that yeah. kind of seasonal decline in prices that we've seen up to this point, um, when you kind of crunch the numbers and look at that, um, and how that kind of interacts with the higher interest rates, which were, um, you know, even though, again, we've gotten a modest reprieve in the fourth quarter, they were uh, essentially as high as we've seen them recently. And and that actually canceled out the benefits of, of slightly lower prices. Yeah. And 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 we, we did have prices dropped a little bit, you know, in the fourth quarter. Um, but don't forget uh, the 7% 30-year fixed rate or 725 or whatever that was the recent high, it did happen in November, early November, I believe. Um, we might have forgotten that you know, because it has gotten down, it's declined uh, from maybe early November uh, to maybe at a lower rate at maybe 6.5% at the end of the year. So we might have forgotten that, okay, well, we did actually have a high rate in the fourth quarter. And those high rates, high uh, mortgage rates, did push the housing affordability down um, in, you know, when combined with uh, prices still at a high level in the fourth quarter. So housing affordability went down in the fourth quarter to 17%. And that's actually a, a slight dip from 18% the month the quarter before, and definitely is lower than about 24% a year ago. So, um, you know, 24% a year ago was already a low number. Uh, but 17% definitely has come down even more. Now, we're not at a level like 11 or 12, like what we saw uh, maybe uh, During the last 15, time. 18 years ago. 
but we hopefully we'll never get there. Uh, but uh, 17% is still a very low number. And if you look at some places, you know, now the 17% is just state number. If you look right. at like maybe um, the Bay Area, the number actually went down even more. Right. Absolutely. And it's it's kind of interesting because it is down a little bit from the third quarter. Um, it's kind of right on par or essentially right where it was during the second quarter, but for totally different reasons. Right. If you go back to the second quarter of last year, we had really low rates and really high prices. And now we have uh, more normal <laughs> rates and slightly lower prices. And so ultimately it, it kind of, um, you know, means the same thing from a kind of overall housing affordability standpoint. But, you know, when you look at at kind of some of these numbers about just what it takes to qualify uh, for for these level of home prices, it's pretty pretty scary, right? Because you're talking about a, a minimum income of over $200,000 uh, needed to make that kind of mortgage payment on the typical um, you know home out there during the fourth quarter. And that is certainly a, a pretty eye-popping number and way, way above anything that can be considered uh, average in, in California. I think that's, you know, well over double what the typical family in California actually makes. And just for um, the folks who don't nerd out on this all the time, you know, what, what our 17% housing affordability index means is that only 17% of uh, households in California actually make um, that amount of income to, to be able to qualify for that median priced home. And so, um, again, this is why I think we should be um, temper our optimism, I guess, is probably the mm -hmm. right way to characterize it when it comes to our expectation for sales. And yes, I think um, we're probably at bottom, we're probably past peak inflation and all of that stuff, but housing affordability um, remains a challenge. And when you put that together with the very low levels of inventory that we still see out there, yes, higher than last year, but still low um, from just kind of objective standards is, it you know, means that that the worst is behind us, but it's going to be a long road back to kind of, you know, the levels that we were seeing a year or two ago. Yeah, I think it's safe to say that, you know, we have, we will have a slow recovery. I think it is behind us in terms of a few things like, you know, sales uh, probably have gone down to the lowest level and affordability um, in the upcoming year in 2023, most likely with uh, hopefully interest rates uh, down a, a little bit more later this year. And of course, we are seeing uh, prices actually coming down a little bit. Hopefully, it will at least stabilize, you know, for housing affordability. Maybe uh, maybe uh, it will inch up a little bit, you know, towards the end of the year. Uh, but I think we have, the worst is over. Obviously, you know, when we look at the uh, income required to buy a home, as you mentioned, 200,000 is not a small number. And that's a number, that's not a, that's not a number for the Bay Area. Right. The Bay Area is actually double that. Um, I didn't know if I was going to let you talk about that <laughs> or not, just because the numbers are kind of depressing. But why don't you just kind of rattle off the types of incomes that you need to be able to qualify for those median homes up there? Yeah. And I know, you know, people in the Bay Area, they make a little bit more money than, um, you know, other areas in the uh, in California. But um, San Mateo, for example, it's an area, it's a county that actually uh, hit a minute, have needed median income of minimum income of uh, over 400,000, along with uh, some other counties like Santa Clara and San Francisco and Marin. Those counties uh, required 400,000. Obviously, 400,000 is, uh, is a lot of money. But we're looking at maybe you know a, a monthly payment of close to ten thousand every month you know for a home maybe about what three millions or two million to three million, 
And I know in the Bay Area, uh, $2 million, $3 million home could be something similar to a $1 million, $1.5 million here in California and in other parts of California. So housing affordability will continue to be a, a struggle for many people, not just in the Bay Area, but all over California as well. Absolutely. Yeah. And Oscar always does an amazing job of preparing notes. And I feel like he was taking a little shot at me because he also pointed out that San Luis Obispo, where I live, is uh, the <laughs> affordable county in California. And just because of that kind of intersection between where incomes are at here, the lack of housing supply and how much prices have grown as places like this have benefited from a kind of influx of folks um, from other parts of the state during remote work. Of course, this is all being exacerbated um, by the fact that rates are a lot higher than they were a year ago. And I know we talked a lot about how the reduction in rates between December and, and kind of late January timeframe really helped to catapult the pending numbers off to a, a stronger start than what we're used to seeing over the last couple of days, certainly. But even I feel like the last about week and a half, we've started to see rates go back up and and hopefully we've done a good job of laying the groundwork for this i um continued to kind of bash the newspaper articles from a month and a half ago that were saying that we were <laughs> past peak rates and i kept looking at the bond market looking at the inflation numbers looking at the the job market stuff and wondering how we could have you know kind of ongoing um yields on on long-term bonds and mortgages that were um, you know falling in the face of short-term rates that continued to rise and lo and behold we now finally see that um, you know inflation's still gonna be I think uh, a while before we get it fully under control and can kind of put the lid on it and check the box that that is um, fully over. And a lot of that economic data that we'll talk through here in a minute kind of supports that, that we're, you know, that the worst is behind us. But again, just like the housing market, it's going to be a long road back to something that's more um, uh, normal. And I think Oscar checked this morning. What did you say the rate was as we sit here today? Well, I think, you know, it depends on which source you look at. Um, if you look at the Mortgage News Daily, which track uh, mortgages on a daily basis, it looks like it went all the way up to 6.75 as of this morning. Now, obviously, that usually uh, the Mortgage News Daily numbers are usually a little bit higher um, than, than, than other sources. But if you look at the Freddie Mac's number, which I believe also uh, was released, um, they took the, uh, the, the survey data um, and reported those uh, collected from Monday, earlier part of the week. Obviously, back then, you know, it was a little lower. And I think the Freddie Mac numbers show a 6.32, which I believe probably will rise again uh, later this week or next week. Uh, but I, I, I believe, yes, I think you're right. You did prepare, you know, the audience about rising interest rates. You know, we you were questioning about. We prepared them. <laughs> I mean, and, and we talked about, and we, I think we, hopefully we did a pretty good job in uh, letting them know that it's, uh, you know, be, be very cautious about another increase in rates. I think we did mention that we have to go back and take a look at the uh, recording, uh, but we told them that it's not over. We're not, we're going to not, we're not on a declining trend. And from this point on, it's going to take a little bit more time, maybe a few more months before we get back to a, a trend that we feel comfortable saying that, okay, well, from this point on, it actually will be a little bit lower. Um, right. So, um, and it did, you know, go up to 6.75, as you right. said. Um, and um, it has something to do with, obviously, you know, market reevaluating 
um, what the Fed chairman said, what some of the Federal uh, Reserve officials mentioned. Um, I think this morning I saw uh, another Fed official saying that, hey, 50 basis point increase is not off the table, right. something like that. Yeah, um, I mean, whether they do it in one shot or a couple of 25 basis points, they said they were going to do two, right? And I don't see anything right, right. in the, the most recent economic data that's going to pull them off that course. I certainly don't think we'll see them lower rates anytime this year, for sure. Um, just because, again, they're going to err towards the side of, of really making sure that inflation is fully stamped out. I do not feel like they're being cowed um, or, or have any kind of um, incentive to or desire to, you know, kind of kowtow to the, to mm -hmm. the, you know, what folks want, which is to back it off. Right. And, and I think that they are laser focused uh, on that inflation number. One of the interesting things is that jumbos are not up as much, right. It's still uh, more affordable on jumbo rates and that might help some of the more high priced areas uh, just because there's that kind of, um, you know, it's cheaper to borrow at the at the higher end at this point in time, and and jumbos are actually cheaper than conforming um, rates. So it'll be interesting to see how that shakes out distributionally. Mm -hmm. uh, what's going on with inflation, though? Because certainly that is is again what the Fed cares about most, and and we see that um, you know again we we don't post those same kind of nine uh, percent kind of numbers that we were seeing last summer um, but it's not just falling off a cliff and going right back to normal either yeah i think you know of course it all comes from you know the inflation number how you interpret it um you know on uh, if you look at the headline number if you look at the um the latest number that was released a couple weeks ago you know the cpi number the headline cpi number uh, actually continued to dip uh it actually dipped slightly from 6.5 percent uh, to 6.4%. And that's the year-over-year uh, -year growth in, in terms of consumer price, consumer prices. Now, uh, it is still a decline from 6.5 to 6.4, but uh, people were probably, yeah. yeah, people were probably a little bit over-optimistic with the, uh, some of the numbers that they saw earlier. And they thought, okay, well, maybe it'll go down to 6.2. But to be fair, you know, um, Wall Street Journal and some of the other uh, uh, news outlets they pulled together some statistics and said, hey, consensus-wise, people think it's going to be 6.2. And then, of course, they ran with it. And a lot of people were expecting a slightly lower number. But 6.4 is actually not terrible. Of course, it's not as great. Yeah. And at the same time, uh, it you know it suggests that or it reiterate the fact that, hey, inflation is not going to come down as quickly as you know some people believe it is going to be. It's going to come down, but it's going to take some time. Right. And it's not just the kind of super volatile stuff, right? Like gas prices, excuse me, were up. But even once you strip mm -hmm. away like food and gas and the stuff that kind of jumps around all over the map from month to month, core inflation still in that kind of five and a half to six percent range. Right. And again, um, that's a lot better than where we were six months ago, certainly. Um, but but it just kind of underscores that we still have um, a long a long way to go. And I think, you know, you, you raised a good point and we were talking earlier just about how the housing component of inflation mm -hmm. um, takes a long time to start to show up because, you know, the price declines and even the modest declines that we've seen um, in in rental costs in certain places isn't fully baked into the CPI numbers yet and it'll probably take a while. Right. You know, the shelter costs, which is what they refer to, uh, which include housing as well as rental housing, 
And um, even though we have been seeing, you know, from 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 uh, some of the other outlets that okay, looks like you know, rate average rent has come down. But as you mentioned, you know, go moving into the C the CPI has a different methodology, and they're not going to show up until maybe you know a couple more months or so. Yeah, you know, when that happens, I think we are going to see you know some of the drop in uh, CPI, maybe a little bit more than the, what we saw you know last month. But at the same time, we also have been seeing uh, things like you know auto sales, uh, travel related services. Those actually, you know, are showing, you know, some some mixed, um, you know, uh, movement. But right. I think in general, we probably will see you know, some slowdown uh, as we move into, you know, the next few months or so. It's just going to take some time for things to kind of pan out. Right. And here, too, we also have a mix of, of sources of inflation that are kind of playing themselves out and keeping that top line number mm -hmm. uh, more stubbornly high. Because I think on the good side, things have started to ease. Right. We're getting computer chips. Uh, we're getting cars back on car lots. And so good goods inflation is easing. And you kind of see this mirrored when you look at the uh, wage data as well. But services are actually, um, you know, which took the bigger hit, frankly, during the, the pandemic and things like that, but have been essentially on fire. Hotel sector restaurants are coming back and there's very um, limited supply of labor in those categories in, in particular. And so you still see um, both the housing component of inflation and the kind of service sector component, um, you know, remaining stubbornly high from a kind of inflationary standpoint. Now, that's kind of um, good from a spending standpoint or just from a macroeconomic standpoint, right? Because when you look at, at consumers, and at least on the good side, that's still running uh, pretty pretty hot. We've been seeing headline retail sales growing now for um, a while, but we had, you know, once you netted out inflation, spending had actually been uh, declining, but January showed a, a pretty strong number when it comes to folks getting out there. And, and maybe that's because of the job stuff, or maybe it's because of the low rates that you want to hurry up and go out and get that new car while rates were low <laughs> or what have you. Um, but, but retail sales actually went up both in nominal and in real terms last month. Yeah. Now, when you combine the retail sales report with inflation, then maybe it's not that big of a surprise that inflation actually has right. not been slowing down as much. Because look at retail sales. Retail sales actually, you know, have a, a strong number. You know, if you look at just retail sales with inflation, not uh, with inf not with just a, a nominal number. Yeah, yeah. Just a nominal number. It looks like it's up by three percent. Uh, you strip away the um, the uh, inflation cost, it is still up by 2.6% for real retail sales number. And now that's actually, maybe that's not the highest of all time, but you have to look at how it compares to the last 12 months or so, it's actually a pretty decent number. Um, I think one of the reasoning that I saw from uh, different uh, analysis is that it's possible that remember in November and December, we actually saw some slowdown in uh, retail sales. And it is possible that Hey, you know, during the holiday season, maybe we decide not to get an actual gift, but some gift cards, you know, right. to our relatives or friends and gift cards money. They don't necessarily materialize or show up in the retail sales until it's their span. I got to turn my course, gift card into a stereo first. Right. It shows up as retail sales. Yeah. And sometimes you have a some you have some bargains in January or so. So. 
that may be the reason why we're seeing maybe slow retail sales or kind of lackluster retail sales in November and December. And then it turned out that January actually came out to be a pretty good number with 2.6% increase. And on a year-over-year basis, it increased by close to 2%, which is actually not a bad thing. But at the same time, obviously, when you have you know uh, some very solid retail sales number, it's not too much of a surprise that you know things are actually uh, heating up a little bit in terms of price. Right. And I realize I kind of probably dated myself. I don't even know if people buy stereos anymore. <laughs> Never. People do. People do. <laughs> but yeah, all of these things kind of show more resilience. And I think this is probably behind some of the uptick in long-term rates is that, you know, people are realizing that, um, you know, inflation isn't going away as fast as we hope, that the economy is actually holding on much stronger than what many uh, expected. And then when you throw in the kind of... Um, the labor market numbers, right? That it just shows the economy remaining incredibly resilient in the face of this aggression from the Fed and higher rates and all of that stuff. And we saw a huge number of new jobs added in January, despite all the layoffs that you read about in the newspaper. Mm -hmm. uh, we added over half a million jobs and, and unemployment fell to actually the lowest levels we've seen in a very, very, very long time. Yeah, that caught me off guard a little bit too, because I was expecting numbers to for the job growth to to stay at around two hundred ish or so. But uh, when I saw that five hundred, I was a, I was a little surprised. Um, and but the, you know, it's pleasantly surprised from the standpoint of you know uh, uh, what's going on with the labor market because we have been say, hearing well, it looks like you know the the economy will be slowing down and you know we might actually see higher unemployment rate. But so far, you know things are actually panning out a little bit. Um, it, it looks like things uh, remain strong in the first month, but I uh, will be cautiously optimistic again and say, even though it's actually high, um, I don't think that's sustainable. Uh, I don't think we will actually continue to stay at 500, and I hope not, because otherwise we'll probably continue to see very uh, significant uh, inflationary uh, bounce back. But uh, I feel like that in, in the upcoming month in February or March, we probably will continue to see um, some growth in uh, the job market. But if you turn uh, uh, to the wage growth number, the wage growth number, it continued to grow at you know a little bit bigger number than normal, but it's but actually coming down to 4.4%. Right. So it's slowing. And, and that's still, again, a high number relative to you know the last decade, the average for uh, over a longer period of time. But at one point there, we were seeing wages grow almost by um, mm -hmm. double digits. And so, um, you know, again, that's another big component of the um, inflation story, right? Is it's mm -hmm. not just the cost of services. If you got to pay workers a lot more, that typically gets passed on to consumers who go out and buy the stuff that these scarce workers are out there um, producing. So the fact that, you know, the, the labor market still seems super tight, but we don't have as ferocious of upward pressure on wages is probably ultimately a good thing. I think it's also worth mentioning probably that there's some weird seasonal stuff happening in the data, right? We always um, right. seasonally adjust labor market data and those seasonal factors assume um, you know, and kind of adjust upward the amount of sales and, and economic activity that we see in the winter. Because, you know, if you look at it historically, January is always lower than December because we have, you know, the holidays and then the holidays go away and all those temporary jobs. And so you don't want to show that as a, a kind of deteriorating economy when it's just a normal um, pattern of kind of when economic activity 
place, but we've just had such unseasonably strong winters where the winter doesn't seem to be making much of a difference from a macro standpoint the last couple of years. And so when it um, adjusts those winter lull months upward and they weren't actually um, very lully or whatever the correct adverb is, um, you know, that it tends to kind of inflate the seasonally adjusted numbers that we're seeing. It's not to say that jobs aren't still going up and that the economy remains strong and it might not be quite as frothy um, as what that top line number suggests. And so, um, you know, I do think that that we will probably see um, maybe a little more slack built up in the job market. Again, some of these uh, layoffs are going to eventually ultimately show up. We still have a pretty low unemployment rate forecast for this year. I think we're in the low 4% range. And of course, we're slightly lower than that on a monthly basis um, now, but we're not expecting a big, a big deterioration in jobs or, you know, mass layoffs or anything like that. But I do think that, uh, you know, it's, it's, been doing a lot better than what many uh, expected. And and although that's a good thing, we want full employment. We want people out there making money so that they're able to um, take care of themselves, stimulate the economy, buy housing, all of that stuff. We are in a, a pretty close to full employment type of, of scenario here, which means that that is have downside risk for inflation. Yeah, I think, you know, all in all, we, we, we still think things are going to slow down eventually. Maybe we'll push out the timeline a little bit. Uh, further instead of happening in maybe the end of uh, uh, second quarter, maybe it's going to happen as far as slow down in the third quarter or so. And if it didn't happen, hey, that's that's fine with me too. I mean, absolutely. Uh, well, I'm yeah. I'm very happy with that. If that's the case, hopefully, obviously, you know, I would like to see rates actually slow down a little bit. You know, yeah. from the housing market's perspective. And I think, well, you know, there's a good chance we'll see mortgage rates dip as we get towards the end uh, of the year again. I just mm -hmm. don't think we can expect to be back at 5% anytime uh, over the immediate immediate term. Right. And and so just to kind of see if I can't put a bow on this, we have a housing market that has had a really tough time over the last six mm -hmm. to nine uh, months. But, you know, and, and even though the transaction numbers are still pretty low, we've had two months in a row uh, where we're doing more sales than we did the month before. And, and when you look at all of the indicators, whether they be macro, right, where the jobs numbers are still good, consumers are still out there spending, um, things are actually still holding up pretty well. And even when you look at prices, um, we're still in the very low single digits for median price declines. And a, and a huge piece of that is just the fact that inventory is still um, very, very tight. Now, we do expect the economy to start to slow as we get into the second quarter. Um, but so far, so good. And, and we've even had some kind of um, improvements in, in housing conditions here in California. Of course, we're going to stay right on top of the mortgage numbers and the rates and, and keep you posted as, as all of that stuff plays itself out. And we're going to keep our finger on the pulse of the macro economy as well so that you have everything you need to, to talk to buyers and sellers about what's actually happening and to give them the context and perspective they need uh, to make the right decision for them and potentially avoid um, you know, making a wrong decision that might um, negatively impact them in the future. And that's what all the good agents are out there doing, uh, which is why I love working for the realtors. And, and if I didn't miss anything, Oscar, I think we can um, leave it there. How'd we do? Yeah, I think we covered pretty much everything. I do want to uh, shamelessly plug, you know, some of the things that we do in between podcasts. Um, I know, Jordan, you and I started doing some of those short uh, video, uh, yeah. one or two minutes video uh, that you can actually grab from the, uh, if you follow the CRM Media channel on Instagram 
And we also do from time to time, you know, some of the uh, sessions on, you know, ask questions uh, about, you know, housing market uh, that yeah. Jordan answer or I answer. So uh, keep an ask eye on those. Me. Yeah. Um, and we just want to let you know that, yes, you will hear us every, you know, two, three weeks or so from the podcast, but you can get, you know, some of those information in between uh, through some of those uh, smaller bites uh, that we send out on a regular basis. No, and you're doing a really good job, and our comp team really dolls those up and makes them look really good. So I uh, appreciate you mentioning that. And, of course, we'll keep you up to date, and you can get us anytime at car.org. But until the next one, have a great week, and uh, let's put some buyers in the homes. All right. Bye-bye.